Hello and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight, we are back with a brand new High Republic book, Convergence, by Zoraida Cordova. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and with me as always are Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Schonk. Over to you, Chad. Your reminder that this is a review show. This is not a review show. This is a book club and not a review show. We are going to spoil this brand new book, so you've been warned about that. Over the course of our conversation, we're going to spoil many things else, Star Wars, especially High Republic stuff if you haven't read it. Too bad we're going to spoil that too. You've been warned. Ryan, it's been a while. What's What's been happening? Yeah, I mean, it's been a while, but really not that much big is happening. Yeah, I guess it was the Christmas break, so it's not like they do lots of reveals. Uh, probably the biggest things, Bad Batch has started, and we've gotten four amazing episodes, and one episode about riot racing. It's okay, though, because if you've seen it, the riot racing episode, while not great, is a good break after the horribly depressing Rex episode, which just makes you feel bad watching it, and has what every kids love, a reference to the Vietnam Memorial. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is a thing that's happening on Disney Plus right now. (laughs) But yeah, Bad Batch has been great so far. This season, I, you know, I'll say it started, it doesn't seem to have as much of a, a focus as the previous episode. Like, there's not really a thorough line story yet except for we're broken we need some money so i'm kind of curious to see as it kind of starts connecting some more in what happens but yeah i mean so far so good the other big news the mandalorian trailer came out all right is it just me or like the mandalorian trailer came out and i was like yeah that's not andor (laughs) like (laughs) I, I really think it, like, diminished my excitement over this show. And I, I mean, obviously I don't love Mandalorians that much, but I don't know. I, I thought it looked cool. I mean, I'm, some I'm, of it. I'm down for the uh, Mando strike teams dropping out of their drop ships and all that stuff. Like, there's mm-hmm. there's so many cool images in there. I mean, it looks like it might be the Mask of Mandalore, maybe. Yeah. That's like a hard pull. I was most excited what appears to be Bobby Frick maybe in this show. And I can always use more Bobby Frick. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I thought the trailer looked cool. I am curious. I've heard. I've seen some people like wondering if you know we get the scene with the four Jedi with the lightsaber coming through the door, and there's discussion whether that's Order sixty six or if it's something older. So I'd be kind of curious to see if it is. Try the other big B1s in a bar. I mean, that's exciting. You can't go wrong with that. Other news that happened. John Williams turns out is not retiring. <laughs> um, oh, poor old man. Which is, you know, great. <laughs> he's he's going to write some more stuff. I mean, it's kind of weird that they had a big like, this is his last big hurrah. And then he yeah. wrote a song for college football. And then he was just like, yeah, I'm not retired. He just got his uh, 35th Oscar nomination. Yeah. 34th. Like that, the oldest, the 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 only person who has more nominations is Walt Disney. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Other Disney Plus news, just as a quick one: uh, 
they did do a Disney Plus preview. It's the first time we see Jude Law and what he'll look like. I mean, it, it looks like Jude Law. Like, yeah. he's yeah. not wearing any like prosthetics or anything. Um, but it did confirm that Visions, Young Jedi, Ahsoka, and Skeleton Crew will be this year. Okay. That'll be um, all this year. Yeah. You know, there's always been kind of questions about if it's actually going to happen, but those are confirmed. And then last thing kind of with confirming dates. So Disney put out their projected dates for movies and starting in i think it's 25 star wars is back on the schedule and what is being said is that at celebration they are going to announce what the movies are and this time it has been said under Iger and them you're going to announce them and you are going to do so we'll see. we'll see we're gonna get like actual things which is interesting because if you've watched uh daisy ridley has been very vocal over the past two weeks about i want to come back i'm excited you know she's been here and there um rumors are that one of the movies will be post-sequel um and she may be in it um which i'm all for but i think it would be interesting so that was most of our big news. How many comics have come out over the past month or so? Six weeks or so. Yeah. Yoda number two and three by Scott and Leon um, confirmed that this does take place in the time of the High Republic. At least the first arc does. But exactly when in the High Republic? Because that covers a couple hundred years. I don't know. Uh, Yoda's peaceful life with the peaceful villagers is threatened by raiders. Uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca number eight and nine by Guggenheim and Messina. I don't remember much about the story, but issue eight has Grand Moff Tarkin on the cover. So how bad can it be? I'm enjoying the story of Han and Greedo's relationship. And um, the next issue is supposed to tie into next year's big event, whatever that is. But there's another big event coming next year. I'm getting mid 90s Marvel vibes. I mean, that's how Marvel runs all their stuff now anyway. They're in the middle of Judgment Day right now. But yeah, I I, I don't need Star Wars to turn into that. You know what the big event in Star Wars is? A New Hope. That's the big event. (laughs) That's the big event. This (laughs) is the stuff that goes in between. You know what the next big event is? Blowing up the Death Star. Yeah. Yeah. Han Solo. That's totally how I feel about it, too. Ah, Han Solo and Chewbacca. What happened to that book? I don't remember. I don't know. I didn't mind reading it. Oh, and uh, full disclosure, uh, Bounty Hunters should be on this list, but I stopped reading it. Okay, so here's my question about Bounty Hunters, because I saw, I was going to ask you about this. I saw a, like, headline on a review today, and was like, whatever one came out today was supposedly the best issue of Bounty Hunters that has come out, and apparently they were like, Valance finally has a reason for being around, and so now I hear you didn't read it. Damn it. I haven't read the last three. <laughs> Supposedly, Maybe I'll catch up on it. Whatever Maybe, happened I still, I, I still picked them up. I just haven't yeah. read them. And, and um, they just they just completely lost my interest. But maybe maybe I'm hearing that. Maybe I'll – damn it, now I have to go read them. Dr. Afra 27 and 28 by Wong and Jung. The Spark Eternal story continues with Afra fighting back to wrest control of her body from the ancient technology. Now this issue is tying directly in the Hidden Empire uh, at the end of it. And the next issue is going to be directly – Tied in the Hidden Empire. Star Wars 20 by Sewell and Jenner Lay. Sewell manages to sneak in some High Republic stuff when Leia, Luke, Lando, and Holdo are stranded in the mysterious No Space, past home of the Nihil. Pretty cool issue. Darth Vader number 30 by Pacanai and Echo. Is Sabe really a bad guy now? The other handmaidens really want to know, and so do I, honestly. 
And then we get to the High Republic. High Republic Adventures number two by Older and Bruno. Our Padawan joins a pirate gang led by Maz Kanata and also Dexter Jetster is there. It's a fun book. A Jedi who wants to be an outlaw. I dig it. High Republic The Blade number one in Tool by Sewell and Castiello. Story about Porter Engel. That doesn't get you excited. I don't know what will. It's it's awesome. Young, young, hot. No, not cooking, but kicking ass. Porter Engel. It's good. It's a really good book. Uh, And then High Republic issues number three and four by Scott M. Brockardo. Uh, more story on Jeddah leading up to the Battle of Jeddah featured in the audio drama we're talking about next episode. So far, this book has been unremarkable, but enjoyable. Uh, nothing's really stood out to me, but but it's fine. Definitely check out The Blade. Mm-hmm. Porter Engel is awesome and good looking and rugged and a real badass and far cry from the fat old dude making nine egg soup. Yeah, it eventually becomes fat. That makes it even better. Yeah. But you know one day he's just going to be some fat. Well, some, something happened to him and he, yeah. laid down, he laid down his weapons and became a humble cook. And I, I don't know if that's, this is going to be that story or not, but, mm-hmm. but so far it's been really good. It is a time of great exploration. In an effort to unite the galaxy, the chancellors of the Republic, working alongside the courageous and wise Jedi Knights, have dispatched dozens of Pathfinder teams into the farthest reaches of the Outer Rim. But it is also a time of great uncertainty. Communication is unreliable, and tall tales of mysterious planets and monstrous creatures abound. Prospectors and pirates roam the frontier, and the worlds of Iram and Erano are locked in a forever war. And on the far-off planet of Dalna, a new threat to the galaxy is beginning to emerge. All right, so before we get into Convergence, we're going to start with the, what is it, middle grade book? The Quest for the Hidden City by George Mann. And I will just read the Amazon's publisher synopsis. Centuries before the Clone Wars or the Empire, in the early days of the High Republic, it was an age of exploration in a galaxy far, far away. Daring pilots chart new routes through hyperspace while Pathfinder teams make contact with frontier worlds to invite them to join the Republic. When a Pathfinder team's communications droid is found drifting in space, damaged and bearing a cryptic message, Jedi Knight Salandra Show and her Padawan, Ruper Natani are sent to find the missing team members. Their investigation leads them to the planet Gloam, a ravaged world said to be haunted by mythical monsters. Can the Jedi find the missing Pathfinders and unravel the mystery of the monsters? The answers lie hidden in a city beneath the planet's surface. So y'all, climate change is bad. <laughs> It's not even climate change. It's fracking. Don't it's frack. fracking. Fracking is because it is. if it you frack, fracking. you will get dark side crystal stuff that will. You will get crystal Batman <laughs> or Batman's. There's a lot of stories about the Empire kind of laying waste to planets. This is the people laying waste to their own planets. They went next door and destroyed that planet so that theirs could be nice. Now. Did y'all get, did you read this on the Kindle when you read it or did you have the physical book? I read the Kindle. Kindle. 
So I would like to point out the physical book for the middle grade for this one. I think they're all going to be hold it up. Our readers can't see it. It's a really like nice book. Like I really like the size of it. And one thing that I wish other books would start doing is did the Kindle had the pictures in it? Yes. Okay. Yes. So it has these really nice kind of like watercolor looking pictures so you can see what man bat looks like because <laughs> let's be honest it's man bat like, <laughs> it's man bat where's yeah. Batman? The, the the denizens of this planet are definitely just a race of man bats <laughs> yeah. yeah i uh no mine my, my i have a paper white kindle paper white so it's in black and white so i only got a black and white sketches of those i i have a kindle color and i only got black and white drawings as well oh there's although there's i read so on night mode so maybe i missed it my only problem with this book, I enjoyed it. My only problem is here we have yet another story of a couple of Jedi coming to a planet. There's something having to do with resources. There's Jedi that are missing. It just, it feels repetitive from other books that we've read. It does. Like It just seems this structure is becoming very... Now, maybe that's part of the idea, High Republic Jedi. What they do is they show up to help. Right. Yeah, it, it was good, but... But it did feel it didn't feel like anything new or different happened here. I did find it odd that this book, you know, centers around these two planets in a duo and they go out of their way to talk about how rare this kind of having these two planets in orbit together is so rare that it is also going on in the same in the book that came out at the exact same, same time. time. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, yeah. Is it that rare? Cause I just read 400 pages of another pair of planets and they talk about them. Like, you know, the kind of setup part of this is the planets are getting cut off. Cause all this money's going to the forever war. I did find it strange that they, they did it. It was based around yet another pair of planets. Yeah. It was just an odd choice. My biggest problem with it is, and I guess I'm just trying, you know, I, when I look at the higher public, I look at the bigger picture and it, I don't know what it contributes to the bigger picture, but, but we don't know that yet. So it definitely, I think drops some hints about some things um, with Das and his dad, Spence, who are marooned. They are by sunshine and they, yeah, but he also talks about where they went before was this paradise planet planet X that is really hard to get to. And I'm wondering if that is a planet X, which in turn, is it going to be where Venestra is going? Because they talk like how hard it is to get to this place and they made it once. And it's, that's true. It could, it could be the planet Venestra is looking for. Yeah. Or that, that she's given the directions to. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Yeah. It's, um, I thought it was a funny detail that they'd gotten shipwrecked there by sunshine. Mm-hmm. from the last High Republic book we read. And mm-hmm. um, and he's he just turns out to be a real piece of shit. Then I think Master... Who is the one they find? Um, Rock? Yeah. Who's the only one they talk about? Is it, is it Master Rock? Or is it he's Master the only Master one Rock's that they find only, alive. Yeah, he's so. the only one that survived the first wave. <laughs> I think Rock is also one of the main Jedi that's going to be in the Battle of Jedi book. Audio okay. drama. So it's got a couple little connections. I mean, you know, it's a middle grade book. They can't get yeah. real heavy 
into all that stuff. I mean, I would say for a middle grade book, though, there were a lot of characters going on. Like, it was a decent story. I mean, nothing surprising, I don't think. You know, they but they've said, right, that the only difference between these books isn't necessarily the the age of the reader. It's the age of the protagonists Mm -hmm. are younger, you know. These middle-aged books are always going to be about Padawans. And the middle middle reader books are going to be about youngest Jedi Knights, the the YA books. And then the adult books are about everybody. So I don't think it necessarily has to like read like a kid's book and it doesn't. I don't know. I, I it's, it's hard to say too much about it. I mean, the summary is actually pretty spot on um, without giving away the ending, obviously. But to give away the ending, it's giant bats. Crystal Batman. Crystal Giant Batman. zombie-esque bats. Yes. I did like the um, the description of the guy who got the miner's disease and uh, was turning into a bat monster, a man mm-hmm. bat, at the end. And they weren't able to save him, which I thought was a little dark for a younger book. But, you know, this is not a series to shy away from darkness. I mean, he was a bad dude. but he was already, he Well, he was already a man bat. He turned into a... Zombie man bat. Zombie yes. man bat. Mineral man bat. I I highlighted a big chunk at the end. Well, it, it was more like a phrase at the end because I couldn't believe that they did this because Rupert actually thinks that the real adventure wasn't about the scary monsters. It was the friends they made along the way. <laughs> Does it really say that? It. Well, Did it really say that? I don't it says that. the people they met along the way, but hey. come on. That's good stuff. I couldn't stop catching it. I was like, wait, am I the only one who sees this? What the hell? Why would you do that? Why would you slip a meme in the middle of your book? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. This book, too, you know, they've got the two droids, the or the EX droids, which yeah. they kind of send out. And, you know, we get these droids and then we'll see Axel's droid in the next one. But it struck me that they have these droids that are very proficient at flying and hovering and it's very useful. Why, why do we go back to R2D2? <laughs> like, and I know like, you know, time-wise, real life-wise, obviously there's reasons for that. <laughs> but story-wise, why did we choose to make our droids stop hovering and flying around? Cause it seems way more useful than C-3PO waddling around in the sand. And <laughs> Good point. Uh, these are know. the things I think about when I read these <laughs> books. Um, yeah, these are these are questions that all Star Wars fans have. It just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I remember watching watching the special editions and like they have the little patrol droids that the Imperials have with them in the New Hope special edition. Yeah, and you're like that looks more advanced than any droid we've seen. You know, it didn't seem to fit in. I also enjoy it. I like that they've continued through the High Republic, bringing in this more of like how different Jedi see the Force and how they interact with it, whether it's the music or, you know, Avar Chris and how she. Oh, now I can't think of what hers is. The, uh, it's the song. It's the song, song. Yeah. 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 And where we get Rupert in here and how she sees colors and that it's like a, a what's that word? Kinesthetic? Is that what it is? Yeah, when you see colors. Like yeah. And it's kind of how she kind of uses that sometimes to find people and is kind of learning to manipulate the force that way. 
yeah, I think they they've continued to keep that up, and and I think it's really effective because you get to see because it's just not the same thing every time. Yeah, and and and, and it show and and it gives more, it makes the force more democratic in a way. Um, mm-hmm. You know how everybody has their own way of interacting with it, and there's no necessarily right way to do it. Mm. But it's all very personalized. And again, this is an area where the Jedi are more distinct from each other. Mm-hmm. So maybe when you get to prequel era, they don't think, you know, everybody kind of sees it more along the same way, you know, or it's not as not as varied, I guess. No place named Gloam was ever going to be good. Yeah, it sounds it just sounds awful. It just sounds awful. I just noticed that when they were like, it's up there on Gloam. And I'm like, well, that that's the bad place. Well, gloam is, I mean, gloaming is kind of like a twilighty thing. So it's its going to be a little dark, but it didn't have to be. They give their planet like a pretty name. I can't even remember what the hell the planet's name is, but they yeah. have like a longer pretty name for their planet. And then they call the other one like gloam. So we don't have to feel bad about ripping it up. Yeah, but it turns out that's their home world. Yeah. Which was really cool. I yeah. thought that it was a cool twist. Mm-hmm. It did make me think of Lord of the Rings and Gimli when they're like, we dug too deep. <laughs> 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 yeah. So the 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 man bat clump coming at them is the Balrog? <laughs> Pretty much. Only this time, instead of shot past, they just dropped the ceiling on them. <laughs> yeah, I liked Rupert and Master Show. They were fine. Rupert is kind of a silly name. Yeah, I, I don't think she was as distinctive as some of the other younger Jedi we no. saw in phase one. No. Um, she's no bell. Well, even in the middle ones, uh, you know, she's not. What's his name? That does the droids. Imri? Ram. Oh, Ram. Ram that's right. Yeah, because Ram was the big middle. Yeah. Yeah, he's the star of the middle reader, middle reader mm-hmm. books. Yeah, she's more of like your traditional Padawan. Yeah, I'd say there's not a whole lot distinguishing about her. I mean, there's, I would say that about all of this phase so far, is the Jedi haven't been nearly as colorful. Yeah. There's some cool characters, don't get me wrong. But. Yeah. Well, I do like the, that they are showing more of the actual normal people that interact with the Jedi, the Pathfinder teams, and, and even though their engineers were kind of annoying, that, mm-hmm. you know, they, they have places for normal people and that's the kid das wants to grow up and join a pathfinding team so das is probably on that mission to go find planet x maybe maybe so seems like a lot of screen time committed to these two outcasts if they don't have a future yeah i mean spence may not you know be involved but das could be Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean i i enjoy quests for the hidden city it was a you know nice little self-contained you know, in the end where the Republic is coming and they're going to give them solar power to fix their world and all that. We're That'd seeing nice. the Republic work. like, And yeah. I think that's part of what they're trying to show in the High Republic because we've never seen the Republic really work. Like right. even in the EU, we really never saw the Republic work that well. And the sequels, obviously, we did not see the New Republic work at all (laughs) so uh, i do like that yeah they're having this kind of thing where yeah they're showing up and helping without getting anything in return well i mean it's the high republic right it's a time when they were doing when things were were goodish i mean things are never going to be great but when things were goodish 
I will say these are very, you know, both of these books are very, you know, these are Jedi doing what Jedi are supposed to do, right? Mediate disp- disputes and help people in need. I do hope we get to see, and I, I don't think, who knows, one day they might go. But, you know, having that ruined Jedi temple, and there was a, how do you say it? A Kutu room? A bat person Jedi. Kitterook? Kitterook. Kitterook. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. That at some They were man bats. That's all they were. They were just man bats. Somehow the the Jedi were out there. Enough that they had a temple on Gloam. At some point. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious now to see even more of the history back. The Jedi temple thing kind of weirded me out. Because I thought this was like the first time people were making contact with this planet. Like it had been recently yeah, made contact with. It's a long, long time ago. Enough that Manbat people don't remember living on Glom. So they were integrated because that temple is not far from the settlement. If the Jedi are still going strong, why do they have abandoned temples? Yeah. Yeah. Like did the Jedi pull back? At some yeah. point, and kind of retreat back into the inner core or the mid rim. I don't know. So I don't think they can try to tell us the Jedi if it like evolved separately. Yeah. Wouldn't right. somebody have known though if a pathfinding team was heading out there? Wouldn't somebody go? Oh, I think there maybe used to be a temple there. Wouldn't somebody know about that? <sighs> I mean, presumably, the archives are still around in in the. High Republic. I think we're trying to, you know, they're trying to make parallels here with kind of like frontier days, you know, mm. and records aren't necessarily as good. Maybe, you know, when we, you know, in, in phase one, they don't know any of this stuff. At least they, you know, they don't let on that they know any of this stuff um, that we're learning now in phase one. So like maybe the record keeping is not as good. Maybe. I don't know. Well, and we also don't know. We know the Jedi Sith War happened, but we don't know when. We don't know. Like, I mean, if they follow it, like the Jedi Sith War should decimate both sides. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be it. Eventually, they're going to get back to that, I think. Someday. Someday we'll go back far enough in time. Yeah. Someday. But yeah, I mean, I think they'll follow some of these characters. We'll probably see Rupert again, like I said. I think we'll see Das. Yeah. I think those are the two big ones. Mm-hmm. I do know in, in like High Republic Phase 1, there was a lot of talk about like whenever when the first Jedi were dying, they were kind of stunned because a Jedi, they couldn't remember a Jedi dying in however many years or whatever. And in this, they, they seem to get killed off every once in a while. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, he shows up and everybody else is dead, except yeah, for... Except for Rock. Rock. Yeah, and they find him barely alive, hidden in the temple. But, yeah, no, it's a good, it's a, it's a, it's a good book. Um, we'll see how it fits in with everything else. All right. The Forever War, which is really just a couple of decades, between Irem and Arano has cooled to a temporary ceasefire while Arano fighters wait in the sky between the two planets to escort an ice freighter bringing desperately needed water to the desert planet. The arrival of Republic ships and a little sabotage send the princess-slash-captain of Arano to crash land on Irem, 
only to be rescued from drowning by the ocean planet's prince. The Jedi on board one of the Republic ships, Master Roy, his Padawan Enya, Jedi Knight Gela Natai, and Master's son have been traveling to Irem to render aid requested by their queen. But now they hope to broker a lasting peace between the two worlds with the aid of co-chancellor Malo. The king of Erino doesn't seem to be willing to forgive Irem for the accidental death of his son, and the other co-chancellor is not willing to stay out of the mix, but can't leave Coruscant herself, so she sends her son Axel Greylark in her stead. Unfortunately, Axel is more interested in whining and dining than he is in diplomacy. He also holds his mother responsible for his father's death and his reliance on a, what, emotional support droid? Which does not bode well for his part in creating a lasting peace. Also not helping is the Viceroy of Erino, Feral, who makes Grimma Wormtongue, that's two Lord of the Rings references in one show, friends, he makes Grimma Wormtongue seem sane and reasonable. While these tense negotiations take place on the neutral ground of Chancellor Malo's ship, shady characters are at work on Erino. Serena and Abda are members of the Path of the Open Hand and are working to destroy the two planets' chances at peace for the Mother. Back on Chancellor Malo's ship, the Paxion, talks have stalled, and the only solution that seems to have a chance of working is for the princess slash captain, Ziri, to marry the Irami heir, Fantu Zin. Their parents are opposed, but the Jedi, the Chancellor, and the kids themselves see that it is a great idea. Eventually, Ziri convinces them, and wedding negotiations replace peace negotiations. Once all parties are on board with the idea, it's decided that the new couple should spread the news among their people themselves, with Jedi Gela Natai and Axel Greylark as security-slash-escorts. Axel agrees, even though he seems to have quite a grudge against Jedi. The people of Erino definitely have something against Iram and Fantu Zen, though. At their first stop, Ziri has to duel a local man who calls her a traitor. Of course, she wins and gains his respect, but before they can make the next stop, Fantu falls into a cavern, only to emerge covered in the local revered scorpions who he made friends with. The witnesses all change their tune and instantly consider the marriage blessed. So if Fantu can just walk around all of Erino wearing a scorpion coat, the whole planet will love him. Unfortunately, Axel Greylark doesn't get to choose peace because it turns out he hung around with the wrong people when he was young, and those people are the Path of the Open Hand and the Mother. The Mother, who was lending aid to Irem in exchange for their queen cooking up some poison for her. That lab has been shut down, but the Mother knows they still have the poison, and she wants Axel to get it. She also wants Axel to kill the Jedi, but during their trip together, he fell in love with Gala. So poison, yes. Killing a cutie, no. The mother doesn't like that deal, so she puts a price on his head that draws every bounty hunter around directly to Ziri and Fantu Zen's wedding. People from both planets join the Jedi in defeating the, insa- defeating the assailants, and Gela goes after Axel. Obviously, she wins and turns Axel over to face justice, 
while Iram and Arano face a new peace and Gela herself faces a new path as a wayfinder. So, Path of the Open Hand. What are they doing with all this poison? I really need to start learning more about this mother. That's an excellent question for a soon-to-come-out book, I bet. (laughs) Well, they got some Jedi to kill, I guess. Well, they get the leveler for that, so I don't know. Right. So what is what is the deal with all this poisoning? I just I'm ready to know more about the mother, the path of the open hand. They just keep turning up and not doing much yet. But well, I don't know. Like we got a whole book about them. Yeah, I feel like they're gearing up. Well, mother is. Yeah. Like mother clearly has a Jedi problem, and so she is kind of gathering her weapons and her. I guess, allies that eventually she is going to take them on or do something. Her and Marta. Yeah. I, I was kind of surprised that the path of the open hand showed up. I'm glad they did. It shouldn't have been a surprise, but I did like how it happened. Like, I think it would have been really easy just to make them kind of these villains in the background, stealing poison or like doing whatever but I liked that it was a deal with Aram and the queen. Yeah. That she had kind of gotten into bed with them. And that they had gotten so desperate in this war, they had to turn to her. Now I am curious how they hooked up with her. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you know, like, does his mother approaching these people? Like, are the children right. going out and the children are kind of finding and exploiting these people in these places. I got the feeling that they came to, they came to, the queen, like they yeah. approached her. So yeah, that is interesting. You know, did, did she just show up and they're like, Hey, so we're the path, the open hand and we're going to give you some stuff. I think one of my, uh, my biggest questions with this book and it was set up and path and then quest talks about it. The forever war. One, like you said, it's, it's not forever. It's been going on like, 10 years. But this version of it, I thought it had gone on for way more than that. I, I think it kind of goes, it seems I like was it very clicks confused. on and yeah. off. And it I was doesn't very confused clear. with the length of this war. Because I think it actually has lasted centuries. It just goes in yeah. fits and spurts over those centuries. Like it's mm-hmm. very, but it then very they ca- confusing. They, they call it like 10 years sometimes. So it's it's very confusing, their wording of how this, how long exactly this war has been happening. Yeah. And this book doesn't make it feel as big. For this war that is draining the resources of a whole sector of the galaxy. That has created its own astronomical anomaly with the rings that they've created, with the the belt of debris. Yeah. And I mean, I guess they were kind of pointing out they're at like a desperate point where they both kind of run through all their resources. And this is like the limp dick end of the war. (laughs) Like, where they're still kind of doing it because that's just what we do. But like the the glory days of the Forever War over, but it just didn't feel as big to earn all this stuff we've been hearing about it. It also didn't feel as big to be kind of solved this quickly. Yeah, I mean, this book ends the Forever War, does it not? Yeah, which we knew about because they talked about that in Path of Deceit. Yeah, that the war was over. Now I kind of wonder, like, does it really end it? Or is this like a, right? we put a bandaid on it and we're stopping the bleeding for now, but 
it's all gonna bu- it's all bubbling still under the surface. Because some of those people, maybe he, he comes up with his scorpions on, and they're like, "Yay, <laughs> yay, scorpions!" But yeah, it does seem like maybe. some people kind of turn or give up on the hate real fast. This almost felt like a a YA book to me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's a little shorter. Um, partially, I think it's a little shorter. I guess it's not that short. No. But story-wise, it's not as dense, I guess. I also think because it had kind of a romance or a budding romance at the center of it, maybe that makes it feel that way too a little bit. Those tend to have more of that. Actually, a couple of romances in the middle. Let's Mm -hmm. not forget Axel and uh, Gela's temporary flirtation. I don't think it's temporary. I think we're going to be hearing about that for the next three books. He's a little obsessive. That's when true. he's like calling her his Jedi and he's being like yeah. a creep. Yeah. I, I was a big fan of Axel. I, before we even get to him, I, I also do like that Aram, you know, that is where Starlight crashed. And so it gives you a little background, like you, like in retrospect of the planet that. No, is Aram or Arano the one that's like in bad shape? Arano is a desert planet Arano's and has no planet. water. Iram mm. has oceans and not much else. Iram is the one at the end of uh, what's it Fallen, called? Fallen Star. Fallen Star. Star. The, they put up like the dam and they're stopping yeah. the water. Okay, Which, okay, because it's the water planet. If I'm yeah. remembering correctly, the history there, it's Iram meets them on what is it? Where they come to Valo? The queen mm-hmm. comes to Valo, and she's making friends with the Republic. So. It seems like they're friends with the Republic-ish right now because they've just let the Chancellor and the Jedi help them. So what happens after this that makes Irem not want to hang out with the Republic again for 300 years? Well, I think it's kind of the same. We you know talked about Hidden City. They have that same kind of deal. Like, yeah, you can come help us, but we're but then, still yeah. not sold on all y'all. Like, we're yeah. not going to join up just because you've come to help. And there's a couple of conversations about well, what do you want in return? And that seems to be what Aram kind of freaks out about because they, Enora called the Jedi and called, well, called the Republic. And so yeah. they're worried they're going to get the Republic on their side. Well, you'd think between the path of the open hand and hey, brew me some poison and the Republic I can see why they wouldn't be making interested in making too many deals with anybody after that. But I think if I had to choose, I would go with, hey, you guys just saved me from this crap I, crappy mess I made for myself with this woman who I don't know. They also don't really, I think, know how big the open hand is like, yeah. or what they're really up. To. Like, I mean, this lady showed up and was like, look, we'll give you some money, but you're going to hook us up with this poison and... We kind of how much is there? How much is there that we didn't see in Path of Deceit? That's the thing, right? Because we we have a lot of information about the Path of the Open Hand. That's all the Path of Deceit was about. We got mm-hmm. to see the inner workings. The only thing we didn't get to see is inside the mother's brain, right? To know exactly what her her end game is. But besides that, like we know a lot about the path, mm-hmm. you know, and and and. I'm guessing at this stage, I mean, she's had, my question is, when does this take place? Is this is path of deceit at the same time? It is before, because they talk about the forever war and path of deceit. They yeah. talk and yeah. they talk about the Jedi aren't available 
because like it's almost at the same time because they talk about people being like working with the forever war so it probably even maybe overlaps a little bit yeah i think it overlaps a little bit axel's the best though right yeah, I, I was surprised that he turned out to be a bad guy. Well, not a bad guy, but, uh, you know, a open hander, open hander. Yeah, I was expecting him to have force powers. Like, I thought that was going to be the reveal that, like, he hates the Jedi for some reason because he's got he's force sensitive. And right. like, it's kind of like a self-hate kind of thing. And it almost at one point he says it's happening and they never go back to kind of what it is. And I was like, Oh yeah, he totally has some sort of force powers. And I was thinking like, he's going to use them in the end. And then, yep. Right. Nope. He's one of mothers was. Yeah. It kind of throws that away by the end, right? He's released the information of what he's done to everybody. So mm-hmm. he's, I mean, he knows that Gel is going to come after him. So he knows he's going to fail. Right. Right, exactly. He's yeah. setting himself up to fail, basically. Because, you know, his Jedi. His Jedi. What his, a, Jedi. His, his Jedi, you. What a creep. Was I remembering wrong? When they talked about the High Republic Phase 2 initially, or maybe it was in a book, I thought the dual chancellors, one was a Jedi and one was just a regular politician. That. I don't know why I got that in my head. Maybe they just said at one point that was true. Yeah, I don't know. I and think I assumed it was going to be in this. Yeah. yeah, I think we just missed that because I, I was waiting for that too. And they never really yeah. had it. And then, then I was waiting on Axel, like you said, to be force sensitive because then that would at least relate to the chancellors. You know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I like his good for nothing self. He's, he's a real son of a bitch. And mm-hmm. um, uh He's like a less scrupulous Lando. Land, if Lando, Lando, if he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, you know, <laughs> he reminded me of a Trump. <laughs> like, yeah, he yeah. was that bad. because oh, yeah. he like runs off and like has not, some. Not Donald. We're talking no, Eric. Or, he's or, an or Eric. Don, Eric. Yeah, yeah, he's an Eric. He runs off and has some like crappy business plan, and then he gambles his money away, and then he's got to go back, and he's like, eh, "Sorry about that." Um, and it, I did like that it's never like a hero thing either. Mom's like, look, if you'll just go, you can have your money and we'll just be done with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's a, ta- you know, I always, I'm always um, interested in the idea of celebrity in the Star Wars galaxy. So he's kind of a, he's kind of a tabloid mm-hmm. celeb back on Coruscant. He's famous for being a scumbag. I, I did like his reason for hating the Jedi because you got to think that I mean, that's pretty cold. Your father just died and the Jedi goes, um, yeah, the force willed it. Sorry. Sorry about it. Actually, the Jedi doesn't even say sorry about it. It just says force willed it. Pat on the head. Bye bye. So the Jedi, I mean, they probably save a lot of people and they don't have time to go like grief counsel everybody. But it's pretty realistic, right? Yeah. Like, no, how I'm many saying. times does somebody die and people are like, well, they're with Jesus now. And then like, that's it. It's like, and that's supposed to uh, fix everything. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like, thanks, man. Because they're, they're out there saving people and helping people. Sometimes they're not going to be able to help. And they probably have to kind of treat that as clinically as they treat the saving of people, you know, and not get involved emotionally. Well, also, so. they're not really equipped to get involved emotionally because they're actually all good Jedi at this point. So, you know, all they can do is go, no, it okay. 
No, no cry. Well, and and I like that what we start to see in the High Republic books is that, yeah, that is the ideal for the Jedi, but they all have feelings. And they all have, you know, they all deal with the losses of other Jedi in different ways. And, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're not always just, I mean, you can't say that Bell just, you know, after Loden died, Bell wasn't just like, yeah, way of the force. You know, I mean, it, it put him into a coma, basically. You know, these guys have plenty of emotions. Um, but yeah, when dealing with some random person that they failed to save, mm-hmm. he's with the force now. You know, that's as best he can give you, you know. What did you think about Ziri and Fanto? Did you buy their relationship? I did. And I one thing I appreciated about this book, and I think we all kind of agreed with this, when the first kind of synopsis of this book came out, and it was going to be this kind of star-crossed lover kind of thing on warring planets it already felt like uh, I've seen that story a gazillion times. And I did like that instead of this, like being forced together and we don't really like each other, but we're doing it for a planet thing. Instead, we went through a, these people actually like each other. And yeah, at first they just like each other. Yeah. They just like each other. And they, and they come up with this plan to help, stop the war, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, it, it's, it's not an arranged marriage. It's full on a political marriage, mm-hmm. but they're and, active participants in it. Yeah. yeah which you idea. don't see a lot. And yeah. It's their yeah. idea. It's the girl's idea. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not his idea. He, he gets surprised by it too. It's her idea completely. Yeah, that's true. yeah. yeah. And which she's, is, and she's not just a girl forced into a political marriage. She's, she's a captain and she's, a warrior and and she's the one who's like, look, we're going to stop this crap. All right. Here's the idea. I'm going to marry this guy. And then Fantu's just like, uh, okay, sure. It doesn't take much. Yeah. I just want to help people. This will help people. Let's go do it. No, I, I like that a lot. And, it, and, and as they develop genuine feelings for each other, that's like almost secondary. Another thing I found really interesting about this book. There's not really a bad guy. Like, Mother is there in the background. Yeah, just mother. And doing yeah. the poison stuff. But the main conflict of the book and saving these planets and stopping the war, there's not really a bad guy. Both monarchs are um, understandable. Mm-hmm. Reasonable, even. Mm-hmm. They, have their, they have their hang-ups and they have their obsessions and they have their blind spots, but they're still both fairly reasonable. They want the war to end, too. Yeah, but they're like trapped in it. Right. But they but it needs to but but in their head it needs to end in a very particular way. Mm-hmm. You know, they need it needs to end, but they also need to win. Or they need to hang on to their dignity. But they all the one thing that every single person seems like on both planets can agree with is that the war should end. Cordova does that in a really interesting way by when they show the wedding and the planning and I mean who would have thought? wedding planning was interesting but getting to see like the sides and how they agree to it and where things need to happen politically was a nice touch i think if there is a bad guy though i mean she tried to make it the the viceroy and his son but their parts in all of this are so small that i literally forgot that viceroy farrell's son 
was on Ziri's squadron until the end of the book when he brings it up again about serving under her. Oh, that's right. They, I guess they're the yeah. bad guys. Yeah. And they're kind of the bad guys, but they don't do much. Well, but even then, I mean, you got to down pretty quick. Yeah. The son has been fighting in this war. The advisor has been advising to help their planet. Like, for your true believers, this is all kind of a slap in the face. Like, it's so, a, yeah, you know, path of the open hand part aside. It's a understandable view. Now he does, like, you know, he thinks, kill some people and set up some stuff, but. Well, and Ziri has to fight with knives to, to get respect, which I thought was pretty badass. The planet loves knives. Yep, they all got knives. <laughs> Go in a room. Nope. Not taking my knife. Not going to happen. I am excited that I think we are finally going to get to read about a wayfinder. Like we are finally going to see it. The end sets it up. You know, Gella? Yeah. We thought we were going to find out about one later, earlier. And, I you know. know. That didn't pan out. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm tired of all these Jetta teases in the first book we talked about. And in this book, everybody's talking about their pilgrimages to Jetta. I'm like, damn it, we need to get to Jetta. It's going to be a whole book about one. I know. Drama. Oh, and that's a story I'm really interested in because... You know, in this book and Quest, going and talking to these other Force religions is encouraged. And in this one, they even say, like, yeah, these people understand the Force in ways we don't. They interact with it differently. This is stuff we should learn from, which is stuff that is clearly erased by the time you get to the prequels. It's almost as if these Jedi have humility. Yeah. And the the ones that we know don't, mm-hmm. you know, they've they've bought their own bullshit. Well, and maybe that's what the acolyte's going to be. Like, what a masterstroke of the Sith would be if the Sith came in, and the biggest trick they pull is pulling, like, convincing the Jedi. No, you guys are number one. Stop listening to everybody else. Right. And kind of isolate them. There's there's something that causes the order to change drastically within 300 years. Well, and I'm curious, like, and I haven't looked at any numbers, but they're banking a lot on the High Republic right now. And it's good, and I really like it, but is your kind of average person going to, you know, buy into this with Jedi Survivor and Acolyte and you know, pulling in these like ancient Jedi. I mean, I guess that's all the explanation they have to give. Like, yep, this is just in the game. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I I still think of it as primarily as a publishing initiative and I won't think of it as anything other than that until we get to March. (laughs) Yes. It connects to the game and there have been references to high Republic Jedi in like the mainstream star Wars comics and stuff, but I still, I still think of it as like a publishing thing until we get, Something in live action. It's like a really slow burn Shadows of the Empire. <laughs> that is, instead of all coming out at once, coming out years <laughs> at a time. I like that it's a lot less rapey, though. They could give us a cartoon, you know? They could give us a High Republic cartoon that would, like, bridge that gap. Tales of the Jedi Season 2. That's what it yeah. should be. You know? Bridge that gap. Give that. Give some of it to the people that, that just watch shows. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that have gotten hooked on the shows that have gone back and watched Clone Wars and Rebels. So now that we've read basically the first wave of Phase 2, what is what do you think this phase is about? Is it just about the rise of denial? Denial. It's a big part of it. Um, a big part of it's going to be about how the path becomes denial. Because the Jedi don't feel different mm-hmm. in this phase versus the last phase. They're very like I don't see any big movement in the Jedi changing. I'm not as in love with these Jedi. Yeah. I fell in love with these guys reading Light of the Jedi. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. you love Avra Chris within the first third of Light yeah. of the Jedi. I was immediately invested in all of those characters. I was invested in Jedi that then died in that same book. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. You know? Yeah, I don't like, think they have that yet here. No, they don't. I, mm-hmm. I like some of the characters. I like the character in High Republic Adventures. I think she's really fun. Um, the one that wants to be a pirate. Uh, I think that um, I liked Gela just fine. I liked Ruper. You know, these are characters that I can definitely follow and I have no problem following. But I haven't fallen in love with any of them yet. Yeah, Gela. Where's my Vernestra? Yeah, Gela's the main character of this book, I would say. Yeah. And she's just kind of bland. A little bit, yeah. Like yeah. she is, she just feels like insert Jedi in this story. Like the Wayfinder stuff is kind of interesting and her kind of like figuring out her place and that sort of thing. No. And and I think you're right. Like they're still, they're still in the same vein as the other high Republic Jedi. Mm -hmm. Um, they still have many of the same attitudes and, um, and a lot of the same features. Just, just, it's just, none of them is sparked for me. Mm -hmm. They haven't really, really caught on in my imagination. Like, I liked Vernestra like three pages in. Yeah. You know, and I was all in, in on Vernestra. I was all in on Bell and I was all re- all in on, I was all in on Avar and, and, and Elzar and Elzar and Stellan, like pretty much right away. You mm-hmm. know? And maybe part of it is like fatigue and not wanting, like not having the energy to commit to yet another giant cast of characters. Although mm-hmm. this cast of characters doesn't feel so giant yet. No. It feels very small. It feels like a smaller story they're telling. Because the the only Jedi that really got a lot of time in this book was Gela. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they There's a lot of talk about, and I think they even Star Wars YouTube channel put up a video about Master Sun. Yeah. Sun is the star of, oh, I can't remember which book. But he's the main character in one of the next phases. Okay, because like there was a lot about him on StarWars.com, and I, he made very little impression on me. Yeah, in the book itself, he was just kind of one of the Jedi Masters that was there. You know, because I don't think the Masters have a lot of personality either. These new yeah, masters. yeah, the Masters is a a weird kind of thing in this phase so far. Like they're there, yeah. but they don't really do Master stuff. Like the. Padawans and the Knights are all kind of taking charge. And the Masters, not just they take charge, the Masters are the ones that send them out in this one. Like, they'll be like, all right, well, you go deal with that. I'm going to hang back over here for a little while. But the Masters, it's like they don't make an impression. They don't. Nobody's making eight egg soup. 
No, no, there's, there's, there's no, there's no details like that, that, that endear you to a character. And like I said, part of it may just be my reluctance and my fatigue to like embrace a whole new cast of characters. Um, but I wanted to, and I didn't find them. Do you think part of that is that we know that we're only going to get them in this little section of books before they go away again? And we get the other cast back. I don't think like, so. Is that like a detriment that they left it on such a cliffhanger on phase one that it's kind of like, all right, well, here's all these other people. What I really want to know is where's the people I grew attached to in the first phase. I That's part of it. I I liked all three of these books and I'm enjoying phase two. But I really but phase two really is just something to get through. Mm-hmm. So we get back to finishing the story they started telling us. Yeah, I right? agree with that. And and so, so and so far it's been enjoyable. So I don't mind getting through it. But like, my eyes on phase three, my eyes on telling the rest of the story that we've been told. You know, and 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 it's fine. They left them on some cliffhangers. And where's Burry? And where's uh, where's Vern going? Yeah, where's yeah. Vern going? Well, and even like, what's Marshawn Road doing? Like now he's got all this power. Like, what's he going to do with it? And maybe that's part of why this book isn't, and it's good. I really did like it. But this story ends. It's not like the other ones in the first phase where you were watching to see what happens next. Like, what are the Nile about to do? What are, you know, yeah. I want to keep yeah. going. This one, the forever war kind of ends. We essentially get a happy ending. Yeah. There's a, the only through line between these books is the path of the open hand and the mother. And I, I had Nihil fatigue. I didn't have Jedi fatigue. I had Nihil fatigue and I was sick of them. And so for us to go back in time to see how they started, well, we should have done that sooner and gotten that out of the way to me. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that they, I think that if they find a cool story to tell with these, this, this wave, this phase, it's cool. I'm open to there being a cool story, but so far when I was just like path of the open, Oh oh man, Nihil again. I thought we were done with them. I think the big question on this phase that people are interested in are the nameless and we know there's a planet where these things are growing and we're going to see that stuff. But was the best move not to make that kind of your big opening or include it in some way? Yeah. Well, you can't have the nameless be too big of a, a presence, though, because the Jedi, our Jedi 150 years from now, have never heard of them. Mm-hmm. That's the that's kind of what they're weaving, right? They're trying to tell us a story that can't be remembered by the Jedi of current day other than Yoda. And even he had to like go do some research. So like, I I just don't, I don't know how that's all going to work out. I don't know how that's going to fit together. And I trust that they have a plan to make it all fit together. Oh yeah. But I was worried before this started and I'm not, I haven't assuaged my worries entirely. um, Despite my enjoyment of the books themselves, that this would feel like a, a stopover and that we wouldn't care about these characters as much. And that's kind of where we're at right now. But, but, but there's tons of interesting stuff in here. Tons of interesting stuff. Part of these stories, I think are going to show us how you beat the nameless and how you beat the leveler. Uh, My guess is that is what we're going to see. 
Like, we're going to learn how you stop them. And that's going to kind of be the carryover to wave three. Right, because they're going to have to stop the mother. Because remember, the great leveler is going to have to end up encased in ice. Yeah. Yeah. And the so rods are going to have, have to be hidden and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So that means they're going to beat her. They're going to beat her. Yeah. The mother's going to lose. And, and because when we get to the, when we get to the, there's nobody that's the equivalent. The, the eye isn't quite, isn't the equivalent of the mother. I right. would say in the Nile. So we're going to, we're going to see the mother lose and we're going to see them put the, maybe they can't figure out a way to kill the leveler. So they, you know, it ends up frozen and they, they Captain America, it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so they're kind of basing it on the original trilogy or the original saga. Um, in the, in their structure, you know, here's where we're at. Here's how we got here. Here's what happens later. But I don't know. I think it's a good book. Yeah, I I liked it better than I thought I would just from reading the solicitation for it. So, Chad, what are we talking about next time? Well, we are going to stay in the High Republic, but we are going to go back to the future of the High Republic and read the what do we call want to call it the anthology the yeah. Star Wars Insider yeah. anthology High Republic Starlight Stories with uh, stories by Kevin Scott Justina Ireland and Charles Sewell so um, we just spent all this time talking about Phase Two and Phase One well now we're gonna go back to Phase One for just a couple of stories yay Phase One <laughs> Phase One <laughs> so yeah. remind me and this is something I should know how does Star Wars Insider come out now I don't know D- does it. I, well, and it that's must. why I, they said these are stories previously published in Star Wars Insider. Is it still a physical print? You know, the last time I looked in a magazine, I always got to be years ago. Yeah. I think, you know what? I was looking for the Vanity Fair, some Vanity Fair one that came out recently. This is the last I time I looked for a magazine. Out. It is still a magazine. Is it? Mm hmm. I used to be subscribed. Maybe yeah. I should do that again. Yeah, I did a long time ago. Shoot. Some of these Star Wars insiders fetch a, a pretty penny on the aftermarket. Oh, do they? The old ones? Not even the old ones. Like the Kenobi episode issue is selling for $64. What? All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us, and we will talk to you all very soon. Bye.